sorry. This is the Sound Health Radio Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And Sherry Edwards is at work on the SoundHealthPortal.com. If you'd like to find out more about the SoundHealthPortal.com, I recommend going there, scrolling down on the landing page and looking at the current campaigns. Campaigns are those uh, things that you can try for free, free trials. They rotate them through. The last time I was there, I saw that they had neuroplasticity, a personal favorite, where you look at the all the interactions of what's going on in the brain and something that might be too low or too high or a state of imbalance that might. In these times of everything going on, having brain sort of in a good way, balancing, and since it is the command central for most everything else that's going on, it's really good to look at. But, it, but she also had PTSD, uh, bio diet, as well as I believe that Corona Conflicts is still up. So you can go there, sign up for a free account, and once you do that, then you choose your campaign and you do uh, two 45-second recordings. The system will guide you through all of this, but what you'll do is do two 45-second recordings. You'll pick your campaign and submit it, and within mm, somewhere between two and 24 hours, you'll get a report back with a lot of great information. I recommend sitting down with a cup of tea and reviewing it and seeing what the, oh, that's a piece of information I'd like to know more about. And sitting down with your practitioner, if they're open to that kind of information, or possibly talking to a practitioner through soundhealthoptions.com. And it's a really great place to go and get a lot of information. And if you want to see Sherry do a demo of using the Sound Health Portal, doing a workup with somebody live, you can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on In the News, and there'll be current reviews there of people, things that she's worked up or worked on doing a demo online. So you'll actually see the screens that she's looking at when she's talking. And that's one of my favorite things about the Sound Health Portal is how much information you get to see visually in a chart now versus just lines of information. You get charts that really give you a great way to see, oh, that's the dominant thing I want to look at right now. It's really the most like, oh, there it is. It's really the Sound Health Portal is wonderful now. Well, it's always been great, but it's so great to have all the information to have it be in a really visual, easy to understand, because it's a lot, can be a lot of information, easy to understand format, really, really great, soundhealthportal.com. And I know I say it every week, but I'm going to keep saying it because this, particularly this show is really true about this. If you want to hear a replay of this show about mm, 15 to 20 minutes after I hit end, you hear the outro music. You can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio, and then click on Sound Health Radio. And you'll see over there, I believe, on the right-hand side, you'll see the flyer for the show today with Dr. Mary Clifton. And you'll be able to click the link there to go back to the show notes, where all the links and everything we talk about will be there. And or you can go to the top and click on either Stitcher or Pocket Cast. And uh, I, I use Pocket Cast predominantly for my podcast aggregator, which is Fancy Talk for an app that allows you to subscribe to all of your podcasts that you want to listen to. And you can click on that. It'll ask you to sign up, but it's a free account. It's just so that you can track your own podcasts. And if you click on that, and then you'll be able to see a list of all the casts we've done. And this one will be at the top with Dr. Mary. And or you can go to any of your, if you have a podcast aggregator, like on iOS, I believe they call it Podcast. And there are just a bunch of them now. And you can search for either Sherry Edwards or Sound Health Radio or Talk to Me Guy, all one word. And you'll find over 690 hours of shows. Wow. It's a lot of talking. 
But I really do like Pocket Cast. It has a lot of features that are really powerful. And you can go to iTunes. If you do follow us on iTunes, give us a like because that helps bump us up in the in the world of casting. And that's always exciting. And this is a show, whatever aggregator you use, this is a show where there's going to be a lot of information that people really want to know about using cannabis, using CBDs. Dr. Mary is one of my favorite people to talk to about cannabis. An amazing amount of knowledge in there. It's amazing. With that, Mary Clifton, MD, is a board-certified, licensed internal medicine, practice, internal medicine doctor practicing in Manhattan. She's a recognized expert in CBD and cannabis and the founder of CBDandCannabisInvo.com, as well as the highly respected professional certification course, The Cannabinoid Protocol. She provides specialized consultation on patient and provider education, telemedicine, and cannabinoids, and has worked with several pharmaceutical, CBD, and cannabis corporations on areas of product development, speakers bureau, spokesperson, telemedicine, medical, and scientific directorship in the U.S., Europe, Asia, and Africa. Dr. Clifton is the best-selling author of The Grass is Greener, Medical Marijuana, THC, and CBD Oil, Reversing Chronic Pain, Inflammation, and Disease, and Get Wasted, and Bow Wow CBD-infused dog treats and food, as well as five companion cookbooks. She has also written for Green Entrepreneur, Forbes, Cannabis Magazine, Green Nurse Blog, The Complete Guide to Medical Marijuana Magazine, Women's World, and more. Her training tools teach healthcare providers and experts how to provide guidance and recommendations for their patients and clients. Dr. Mary joins us to discuss her book, Bow Wow, CBD-Infused Dog Treats and Food, how we, and how we might treat our human bodies as well. Welcome, Dr. Mary. Thank you for that amazing introduction, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> it is really true. You are one of my favorite people to talk to about cannabis because you have the the knowledge base of internal medicine and then you got possessed and I mean that in such a good way about cannabis. <laughs> so so everything that you know from that side into the cannabis world and you're really good as we like to say in the highly technical world a great splainer. You're really good at <laughs> explaining to us in a way that we can understand cannabis. And I'm as an old herbalist, I'm a fan of cannabis for decades. And I think it is a, one of our, you know, I think it, it somewhere down the road we will agree that CBD in particular may be in the category of one of the great adaptogens like Siberian ginseng or Dong Kwai or many of the more what I would call ancient because they've been around for a long time and in yeah. use for a long time. But one of the great adaptogens because I just really think it's in that realm. But I want to start with a different question. Why, why the Bow Wow Cookbook? With everything you know and did and are and are doing, why, why the Bow Wow Cookbook? Oh, isn't that funny? The, well, you know, I have a little dog that um, that is in a bag with me a lot. He's a little five pound guy, and he uh, he is he gets terrible separation anxiety, and we've really tried everything. Um, and, and so most of the time I just bring him with me and, uh, he's, he has a little bit of, uh, notoriety with people who know me. They'll be like, so how's, how's Squeaker? How's Nico? Cause I call him Squeaker too. But, um, I, I couldn't, I was trying to treat him with CBD and trying to help him. Cause even though he comes along a lot, I mean, he still really lives in a very uncomfortable place a lot of the time. So I just wanted him to, you know, feel a little bit safer and, and the CBD certainly helps him relax. But he was, he's old, you know, he doesn't have any teeth and he wouldn't eat any of the hard chews and didn't really like the oils. And so I, I was trying to find some soft chews and just kept coming up empty. So, uh, so I worked with a chef and created some recipes that dogs like, which are 
shockingly similar to recipes that humans like in a lot of cases. <laughs> Not a very different palette. And then, um, and then, you know, put that cookbook together. I figured I wasn't the only person with a uh, with an anxious older dog. I actually think that I, after the show, I because I reviewed this and I thought I I might have to have a bowl of sweet potato treat at treats at the door <laughs> for friends. <laughs> And just pass it around uh-huh. like, okay, let's everybody have a sweet potato treat. No, really, it's not dog food. No, it's not. I promise you it's not dog food. Um, but, you know, or or really, I could have pro- I could actually have a problem peanut butter parfait because I'm a fool for <laughs> peanut butter. You put two amazing foods together that are like my favorite foods, Greek yogurt and oh. peanut butter. Really? Yes, I mean, that I could be hazardous. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I eat a lot of, I think peanut butter is a large reason for, you know, any, any waste control issues I have. Cause it's just so easy to make a piece of great toast and put some peanut butter on it. <laughs> I agree yeah. with you. Miko loves peanut butter. I don't really know a dog that doesn't like peanut butter. Do you? I've never met a dog. Well, the, the ultimate, the, I, I had a Labrador and she would go, her eyes would literally roll up in the back of her head when I would hand her a piece of banana with peanut butter. That was like it. She was like, oh, my God, I love you more. I can't believe it. This is amazing. <laughs> Miko is a, uh, is a watermelon guy. When, you do, when, when I get some watermelon cut up and ready to eat, he stands there and just he can't help himself. He just whines and cries until he starts to get little bites. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I did eventually train yeah. her also to eat celery with peanut butter on it. But pretty much I think the key is peanut butter on it. Just con- just put that with yeah. anything, and she you could hand her a stick with peanut butter, and she would eat that <laughs> stick because it was just possessed. And are there similarities between dogs' endocannabinoid systems and ours? Are we similar animals in a certain way? That way. Well, I don't think we know that much about dogs' endocannabinoid systems. There's, um, yeah, I, I did uh, have a really nice uh, drink in Manhattan in the. Uh, in the fall last year with a, uh, with a, with a very uh, brilliant um, veterinarian who was trying to see if there was any way that he could move more aggressively into the CBD realm. But within the veterinary field, you know, there just isn't any research. And so there's a lot of prohibitions to, um, you know, to, to joining and getting more involved. So it, uh, so, so we ended up not necessarily, um, you know, not necessarily uh, figuring out a role for him, but the uh, but but the but the drink was great. But yeah, so I don't think <laughs> yeah. that we know anything about the endocannabinoid system in 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 animals. But certainly, people that all kinds of people that I know who have used these products on their animals, you know, uh, feel like they get great results. And almost every respectable CBD line has got a uh, you know an animal component to their line. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, I met a veterinarian who lectured at the Emerald Cup, which is the largest. I think it may still be the largest, well, until COVID. Uh, it may be the largest cannabis event in the United States, or it was for a long time. It's a huge event. And I actually mm-hmm. go for the lectures. And there was a veterinarian who was lecturing there. And when I talked to him afterwards, I won't name his name because of what I'm about to say. He was actually told by the veterinary board that if he kept promoting cannabis, they'd yank his license. I think he, wow. I think he resolved that, or he went more underground. But I mean, he was really, I mean, he was a he was a classically trained veterinarian and had a veterinary practice, and then he too discovered cannabis and started using using it with his patients, and had stupendous results. And and but yet they were threatening him because it was out of the standard of care in their minds that they might yank his license mm-hmm. for doing that. And and he went yeah. on to write a book. And I mean, I, it blows my mind that does that happen in Western medicine or have we gotten kind of is cannabis big enough now that there may be cranky Western medicine doctors who don't like it, but they're not against it. <laughs> cranky. There's, I mean, there's the the boards have a lot of power, and uh, you know, if the boards are unhappy with the way that you're practicing, they can apply pressure in whatever direction they would like to limit your ability to practice. Absolutely. 
So, I, I mean, I think that's still happening. I mean, I, and, and not only within veterinary and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, a medical doctor or a doctor of osteopathy uh, boards, but also, you know, I've heard of physical therapists and occupational therapists, lots of people getting into trouble when you're, uh, you know, going outside of the standard of care. Um, you know, I talked to an anesthesiologist recently who was going to put a, uh, a, a youngster down um, uh, for some uh, extensive dental work. And then the, the child, I mean, was a medium sized child, but the, but was on, um, was using CBD at higher doses, you know, in conjunction uh, with with a alternative therapy doctor, um, and being monitored by her neurologist. But it's not in the quote unquote standard of care, and um, and and she couldn't get her work done until she went back and got on a seizure medication that was prescribed by her neurologist that, you know, met the standard of care, then the anesthesiologist would do the procedure. But there was just outside of that, if something would have happened during the procedure, you know, then there you would have been taking care of somebody who was operating out of the standard of care for seizure management. And it just, there's a whole, you have to think really medical legally in a lot of these cases, because there's a whole cascade of events that can come when you don't, you know, I mean, both for the consequences of the doctor and also of the, of the patient, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a, 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 well, actually my acupuncturist is an OMD, an oriental medical doctor and an herbalist. I mean, he's a classically mm-hmm. old school and, and acupuncturists take, herbalism very seriously i don't mean like oh but kind of in his case he was very serious about it and i remember when he started doing some work with uh, cannabis he was getting some rankles from his board and he told them in bad words what he thought about that and because of who he was in his history i mean he'd been an acupuncturist for 30 years and an omd for i mean forever i mean and an actual like old school decoction creating formulating herbalist and so he started working with it because he saw results he saw people calming down and i mean that's one of the functions of acupuncture is to really soothe and deflame the system and he saw such benefit from it that he could not but he got in a little bit of trouble so it is interesting how the system bumps up against the what they consider the rules and don't have that i don't know openness which I, which yeah, actually leads yeah. which actually leads me to the question of I think I can say this politely have you always been such a radical I mean you have <laughs> I mean you are you're an internal medicine doctor and yet you have a couple of things that I admire about you you think of the the body as a whole system like it all works together wow and you want to treat the system like it all works together that's that's kind of not in my experience of Western medicine, there are a lot of specialists who, if they say, see a skin condition on your arm, they don't think about the liver. I'm just saying. So have you always, when you went into medicine, were you always thinking in the total way about the human system rather than isolated areas? Yeah, yeah. I was actually, you know, thinking way back when about becoming a DO because I felt like DOs pulled mm. all of the information together a little bit better than MDs. But, you know, a lot of the stratification within the, you know, community was still really heavily weighted toward MDs 25 years ago. And so, you know, all of my counseling and my advice from, you know, uh, undergrad counselors when I was approaching professional schools was that I should, uh, you know, definitely go to MD school. But, um, but I, I don't know. I think there are DOs that see the world uh, the same way that MDs do and MDs that think holistically. I've always been interested in things that uh, empower the patient and that are innovative and aren't really thought of regularly. And I um, pose if I was really sticking with the party line I, I would never have gone to medical school in the first place. I mean, I'm first first generation college. You know, I was, um, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, Richard, but I'm a teen mom. You know, I had my daughter in my senior year of high school. And wow. by any measure, I really should be 
not where I am, <laughs> you right. know, really should not be where I am. So there's, a, I think that sometimes when you bring an individual uh, out of an environment, you know, and put them in an environment where, where they aren't comfortable, you know, you can start to see what needs to be fixed a little bit faster than people who are comfortable in this environment, you know? So if your grandpa was a doctor and your dad was a doctor and, you know, this is how this rolls. But if, if you're new to the whole organization, you can say, well, now, wait a minute, you know, I feel like we have, we have, we have more opportunity to integrate here and, and really help people with nutrition and with cannabis and with, um, you know, sleep and meditation, all of these things are very powerful and, and combined with Western medicine, but you have to be willing to, to recognize, uh, their value, you know, um, which is sometimes really hard to do when you're very entrenched in the existing system. You know, I suppose that's part of it was that I just haven't, I've never been entrenched in the existing system. I've been, you know, a newbie as all all the time that I've been here. Well, in the whole, the radical idea, that radical word you use that you're empowering the patient, that's not, Mm -hmm. In, in my experience of talking to a lot of doctors, that's not in the standard of care in their minds. It's the, in the veterinary world, we used to call it bright light, shiny table. I mean, is that right? Yeah, <laughs> bright light, shiny table. And the same thing is in Western medicine, when you go in and see the white coat, you're supposed to bow to that. I'm not saying you, I mean, in a general sense, cinematically and my experience. I years number of years ago, six or seven years ago, I had a bunch of surgeries and a bunch of stuff, and there was and the doctors and I were always fighting. And eventually, at one point, they would go, "Okay, I get it. You know a bunch of stuff. Let's talk about it." <laughs> they they just had that. They're used to dictating and having the person go, "Yes, doctor." And you yeah, really and believe in the really dialogue. Isn't. Yeah, yeah. And our model really isn't designed to to get the patient to take care of themselves. That's not really the model that works in medicine. I mean, a, a patient gets diagnosed with uh, diabetes and high blood pressure and cholesterol. And if we embark on a weight loss and exercise program that treats those conditions, then you have it under control. <clears throat> and I see you back in a year. But if we put you on all of the medications that I need to put you on, the pharmaceutical industry is selling six or seven prescriptions a month. The insurance industry is kicked in. The, the patient, you know, takes their pills and they come back to see me four times a year. They have a couple of minor issues, you know, either related to their pharmaceuticals or, you know, coughs and colds, plus their annual. So now they're like a seven or eight time a year patient visiting person. So for every person that you empower, that you engage to take care of themselves, you know, you kind, you, you, you have to replace that person with two or three other people because, you know, those, those six to eight visits per year patients are the, are the bread and butter of most internal medicine and family practice practices, you know, and, and even in the last 10 or 15 years, the way that to practice has changed. Like a lot of people used to be able to get a three month supply of their medications. And now doctors are only giving one month at a time so that Mm -hmm. you have to keep coming back for your antidepressant or your blood pressure pill. And you really um, aren't given an alternative. And in some cases there really isn't an alternative. You know, there's a kidney problem or there's, there's some condition that is leading to the problem and you can't reverse it with other more natural things. But in a lot of cases, we can empower the patient to get their condition, you know, 90% under control with, with lifestyle and, and, and with uh, uh, medications, you know, herbal medications, vitamin, you know, regimens that don't require that close of monitoring, which is just a, a, an entirely different way of handling your practice. The idea of bringing that empowerment back to the patient instead of, uh, creating another, you know, another, another person who is, uh, who is aligned with the pharmaceutical industry and with, you know, regular doctor visits. I just find the, the, 
I find the lack of respect of the patient in medicine to be the most troublesome thing now that, you know, the whole system has been built around the doctor for so long. And, and I think that we think that we're respecting the patient because we respect when they complain and a patient complaint is held in very high, you know, regard by insurance companies and by hospitals, which is a whole nother problem because then when a patient complains, you know, because you told them that they need to lose weight or because, you know, they didn't get an opiate when they thought they should have gotten an opiate for their sprained ankle or something, then that drives your, um, your reimbursements down. It drives your position with the insurance company in the hospital down. And then, so you end up just saying yes to everything you can when you're in practice so that you don't generate any patient complaints. You have to be very careful with how you handle patients, which is, like it's it's how we really need to respect patients is to honor them as educated you know intelligent people who can make a decision and who can take care of themselves and then give them the tools to do so and um yeah and and then and then guide them as much as we can and uh and be very um and the intensity of the effort that there you have to put into something like that. I mean, changes like that aren't for every patient and a relationship like that with a doctor isn't for every patient because some people just want a pill and they've been trained for decades by us to just come in and get a pill to solve your blood pressure or your cholesterol or your diabetes or your depression or, you know, your, your, um, your heartburn or, I mean, you know, we joke around sometimes that, we could create like one pill with all of those in it that would cover 50% of an internal medicine practice because <laughs> every three months <laughs> you're just refilling all of those. They, they, all those, all those diseases, all, you know, generally live in the same body. And so you're just, you're just, you know, uh, uh, facilitating the lifestyle that generates all of those conditions, you know, you could just have a, you could just have an intake check sheet that just had a, a a row of colored pills and you can just check off the ones that the person, the patient is supposed to get. And that's my experience with when I have friends that go to the doctor, when, when you reach a certain age, let's say over 60, when you go Mm -hmm. into the doctor, they ask you, are you taking this? Are you taking that? Are you taking this? And they haven't even taken your blood pressure yet. They're already assuming you need a statin, that you need a blood pressure medication, that you, they, they go in assuming that you need certain things because you're of a certain age. That's how the system is devolved to where, whereas, well, recently I did a radio show with a doctor who's 97, 97. Wow, yeah. He's been writing syndicated syndicated medical columns for 45 years. And his current status, when I talk to him, it's always like, you better make an appointment with me soon. I'm 97. You know, so it's that sort of his. (laughs) But I mean, and he's been advocating the idea of, such radical ideas of increasing your vitamin C intake for 45 mm-hmm. years. He's been talking about this kind of stuff. So, I mean, there are, there are people such as Dr. Giff or yourself that are out there that have that more, wow, we're a whole system. Like let's try changing your diet. How about that before we give you a blood pressure med- medication or you deal with your diabetes? How about what are you eating? How many times a week are you eating a bag of chips? I mean, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, and but whole... you even told me we talked about this fellow off air, and I think you mentioned that he's been writing under a pseudonym, so that he yes. doesn't get into trouble. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for recommending vitamin C, and and yeah. and uh, so many of us within COVID, when we talk about improving your terrain and making you safer, so that you you know can handle the uh, COVID a little bit more effectively where, um, you know, our, our Facebook pages are shut down or, you know, we go into Facebook, you know, probation at least for several days. It's, uh, these are really difficult conversations to have in the current environment, you know. I try to use those words as little as possible. Some of those words as little as possible because I'm always concerned that I might get yanked or, you know, something because the search monsters are out there trying to find those spooky words. Vitamin C. Oh, my God. Not that. Okay. So that leads me into, would you talk to us about the long-term or the kind of the the hormone cascade created by Gesundheit, created by chronic anxiety or fear? 
Oh, I think that the biggest issues with chronic anxiety or chronic fear is the cortisol depletion because the cortisol system is really uh, designed to balance us out in the, st- in the setting of, uh, of, uh, of imbalance, really, uh, physically or emotionally. But especially when you're in a fight-or-flight res- response, the adrenal glands really push out a lot of cortisol in response to a um, – into in response to a, uh, a a fear or an anxiety provoking situation, but when you stay at a high level of anxiety or fear for a long period of time, it does, you know, start to deplete the cortisol, and so you would think that that system would have higher levels of cortisol generally, um, and then you would think that uh, at then that it would uh, start to get. Uh, uh, you know, th- that you would just always have a high level of cortisol when you're always in a fearful state. But the but in reality, because the cortisol depletion, you have a lower level of cortisol. And you also have a lower cortisol response when you go through a, an anxiety or fear-provoking experience. So it so it really does a number on your endocrine system because the, the cortisol system is like the thyroid system. It's like the ECS. It touches every organ in the body and every other system. So as you, uh, so as you, uh, um, you know, have that system go awry, it creates trouble in all kinds of different situations throughout your body. And are there benefits, potential benefits for us to be using CBD in that, in this era of the word I don't want to use and a lot of people are in a state of either fear or anxiety. Could we all benefit from a bowl of sweet potato chips with CBD on it? <laughs> I I look at CBD as an adaptogen similar to the way that you're describing it. You know, uh, some of the smartest preparations I'm seeing are mixing it with ashwagandha and other, you know, herbal adaptogens mm-hmm. that just help to you know, bring a, a group of compounds together that are known to smooth out stress and help relieve stress. So I think uh, I think it's uh, definitely in, in that realm and probably for most of us, I mean, the studies show that 80% of people do well with, uh, with using CBD. So I don't know if it's 100% of us, but for most of us, um, I, I think a little bit of CBD uh, each day or, or more than a little bit might be um, really good. Well, I think of the idea, you, you named an herb, so that makes me think of for, formulation. That just happens in my brain after doing it for so many years. But the idea of taking yeah. a group of adaptogens with a little bit of uh, adaptogens or herbs that have long-term beneficial effect. They have immediate effect, but also long-term beneficial effect. And the idea of adding a couple of nervines, meaning things that are soothing to the nervous system, such as skullcap or passionflower, which are nervines and soothing. Skullcap is particularly interesting to me because it has, in the old-timey books, uh, it would be described as something that helped help with head noise. That was an actual description in a pharmacopoeia. And hmm. so it will actually help that sort of chatter that can occur calm down. So I think the a great idea of the CBD ashwagandha passion flower, skull cap, maybe a little bit of ginger just to get it into the system would be an awesome formulation because you get all of those together and you're a little calmer. And as we're calmer, aren't our, aren't our immune systems more effective when we're not like, Oh my goodness, something's going to happen at all times. Yeah, definitely. And I think that we really, as a, I mean, now more than ever, but um, certainly the, um, Certainly all the time, but now more than ever, our, our level of stress is so high. I, you know, we really, it, 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 it used to be that an eight-hour day with, you know, with a lunch in there, so something more like six and a half hours um, was, a, was a good work day, and you did that five days a week and got your weekend off, and that was um, enough. But, you know, everybody I know now has this badge of, you know, I, I'm available seven days a week. I'm, I'm working and responding and handling things, you know, uh, well into the evening. I check my email just before I go to bed. There's this, you know, such an intense amount of expectations for work and for responsivity, you know. Um, 
I mean, I thought that when I was in medical school that I have to carry this crazy pager and I have to be available 24 hours, seven days a week to my, you know, uh, my practice, my private practice that I ran for 14 years. Um, unless, you know, unless I make arrangements for somebody to take my calls for me. And there, there's, and now everyone is like that. You know, I, I, everyone, regardless of whatever income they're making from their job, they have, the, you know, there's this expectation that your employer should be able to reach you. It's, um, it's a very stressful situation that we live in. And our, 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 our particular culture is such a mess. I mean, when you have, I don't even remember the percentages anymore, but 30 or 40% of adults are overweight or obese. It may be even higher than that. That may be the percentage for kiddos, you know, um, and, uh, and a whole bunch of people are described themselves as unhappy. You know, um, nobody's meeting their, nobody's meeting their fruit and vegetable goals. Uh, you know, very, very small percentages as a society, we're doing something really, really wrong. We're doing a lot of something's really, really wrong. And trying to get some balance in the midst of all of this imbalance is, um, is, a, is a serious task, the difficult task. And if we, if we increase our CBD intake, well, or no, no, let me back that up. If we start taking CBD, let's start there. Do you think that will help calm the system in a certain way overall? Not necessarily just targeting a specific thing. That's a secondary question. But do you think that the CBD overall in the system will help go calm it down a bit? Yes. Oh, definitely I do. Because, I mean, the ECS is, is, I mean, the entire central nervous system and the brain, the spinal cord are very, very richly uh, endowed with CB receptors. And the CB receptors sort of help one nerve talk to another nerve in a calmer way. So if things are starting to ratchet up and you're very stressed and that stress is driving all of the downward consequences and all of that is happening in your brain and your spinal cord, whatever perceived stress is, is, is that's on your body is going up into your brain, activating your cortex, just, and then all of that's tumbling back down to your thyroid and your adrenal glands. So having the ECS uh, properly primed just allows those, allows the cannabinoids on the CB receptors, you know, to just the conversation a little bit. Because you have the opportunity when, uh, when, when data is going from nerve to nerve from, uh, you know, and then expanding over the cortex over your brain, over the surface of your brain, it can light up a whole bunch of areas and activate a whole bunch of stuff. Or the system can just dial it all back down. And that's, um, uh, you know, that's what a CBD allows to happen. It allows for that calmer conversation so that you have a little time to just catch your breath despite everything that you're going through and, uh, and, 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 and be more relaxed. I mean, I really find the fact that we have CB receptors located all throughout our central nervous system and actually on every organ in our body. And the reality that, this, that, that we have naturally occurring CBD in our body in the form of anandamide and that the planet has this plant that really grows like a weed. It's not that hard to grow. I mean, it, 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 the whole system is designed to keep us calm and balanced and stabilized and relaxed, you know. And, and if your own body isn't doing it well enough, then this is an adaptogen that will help you get there. Radical. As I said, you're such a radical. Right. But this weed <laughs> outgrowing in the forest. Like, uh, that some cultures have been using for probably a thousand years that are like, oh, and we're suddenly going, oh, wow, look at this. It's actually calming. Oh, my God. How shocking. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and if, if there wasn't a prohibition, you'd be, you'd be, you know, you'd be pulling it out of your uh, ditch. I mean, it's, it's a very easy plant to grow. It's just that, you know, and you'd also be getting small doses of it all the time because it would be sort of integrated into our food system. It would be growing next to your corn or your tomatoes. So it's a it's it's radical and at the same time it's so simple and obvious. We just don't seem to have the or up until you've come along and and some others we don't seem to have the idea of 
really the, back to that term tonic that's used a lot in in the herbal world is the tonic herbs. And the idea of having an herb, as you say, we have this, <laughs> I'd like to know the point of origin, the, peop- the person that had that aha moment of like, oh my goodness, so we have this weed over here that feeds the endocannabinoid system and we have it, wait, we have an endocannabinoid system and we've got a weed that'll help? When did that come together? That's like a miracle idea that we have this, nature is providing us something, oh look, wow. I have no, you know, mm-hmm. I have no place to go with that other than I find it shocking that it took us this long to get to a point of where we're using it as something <laughs> that's tonifying, beneficial, and soothing to our hypertonistic systems. Like, wow, what an amazing aha. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there are some plants that concentrate THC and the intent there is more of an intoxication. It's more of a party plant. But you get this wonderful uh, relaxation effect from, you know, from from the hemp plants that largely concentrate CBD. And it's just relaxing and calming. And for so many of us, you know, if I try to do that for you in my office, that's going to be two or three different medications that have a ton of side effects that are going to, you know, lead you to have to come back and see me once a month for your refills. And you can't change the dosage at all by yourself because, you know, all that needs to be managed by me. Or you can, you know, use something that is given to you by the earth, CBD. Get a great product, try it. You know, see if you can find the the administrative amount that makes sense for you, and then if you uh, and then and then if you land on it and you feel good, you're in charge. You've uh, you've got it all figured out, and you didn't have to, you know, um, spend a lot of money or on or ongoing, you know, time and effort with the uh, you know with your doctor. It's just it's just you in control of managing. Uh, what we all have to deal with is these intermittent, extremely high levels of stress. I mean, it's not an uncommon thing. That, you know, we think that depression with suicidality is such a shocking thing, but actually over the course of our lifetimes, 50% of people contemplate suicide at one point or another. Problems to be that hopeless and distraught. And um, similarly with anxiety, it's not unusual at all for people to, uh, to complain about dealing with high levels of anxiety routinely over, over the course of their life. It's just, um, it's difficult to get by and deal with the losses that you have to deal with and the, not just the big ones, you know, losing a parent or, you know, losing someone else that's important to you, but also just the day-to-day hustle and wondering if you're really doing what you're supposed to be doing or what your mission is or, you know, if, or, or, or if you really do have the energy to shift, if it isn't, you know, there's just a a lot to think about. Mm -hmm. And how do we uh, configure or figure out our dosage? And do you have preferred delivery systems, meaning oils, vaping, CBD, pre-rolls, all of that realm? How do we, how do we figure dosage? How do we, well, that's a self-pointing question. How do we figure out what our preferred delivery system is? Try it. That's, that's my review. <laughs> See which one works best. Yeah. But how do I mean, we figure it, dosage? Well, it's very individualized. And that, that's one of the problems with using products where you're not going to the doctor's office and the doctor doesn't, you know, uh, give you some idea of, uh, of, uh, I mean, the doctor doesn't just tell you to take this particular product and see me back in a month. So you do have to put a little bit of work in identifying the amount that works for you. But, you know, for most of my patients with CBD, somewhere between 20 and 40 milligrams is where they start. Some, uh, uh, some, you know, most of my patients end up at, you know, 60 milligrams um, once a day or, or as much as twice a day. For most things, that's enough, and, that, and that, that's enough for them to uh, have, have themselves under control. I think starting at 20, just because you want to make sure that you've got uh, um, a reasonably good amount in your system and you want to make sure you tolerate it. You know, a lot of people want to start low and then go up from there. So if you get a bottle that has a thousand milligrams of the CBD in, in the little um, bottle with a dropper on top, 
you know, that little uh, type of bottle. I wouldn't go under a thousand milligrams and just use a quarter dropper full or a half a dropper full and see how you like it. And then go up to a full dropper full and see how you like that. And oftentimes that might be where you finally um, hit, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm stunned to find that we're, we we're as far as we are. So I want to jump to talking about your cannabinoid protocol program because not only is it a great opportunity for people to help others, it's also an amazing opportunity for us to learn more about all the benefits of cannabis. You've put together this amazing program of information um, that we could learn not only how to educate, educate ourselves, but also then help others in figuring that out. So talk to us about the cannabinoid, cannabinoid protocol program, please. Well, the cannabinoid program is my new um, education tool, and it allows people who, who are clinicians, you know, who want to uh, think and talk about um, cannabis and CBD with their clients or their patients, but they want to have all of the data, all of the research, like what do we actually know about cannabinoid formulations and anxiety or multiple sclerosis or seizures or, or, um, or chronic pain or difficulty sleeping? What does the research actually show? So my job in creating this was to compile all of the available research and then deliver it all in, um, in 10 to 15-minute uh, videos uh, under each of those subjects. So I've created over nine hours of video. We also have video on metabolism, you know, tics and Tourette's, Parkinson's disease, um, uh, tremors in general, uh, boy, uh, metabolic syndromes like uh, weight loss, hypertension, diabetes, and how all of this might work together. So it's a, it was a massive undertaking. And, um, and, and it's just a beautiful project. We polished it up and got all of the stuff transcribed and created workbooks and one sheets that you can deliver to your clients. And we're working now on developing like um, intake forms and, uh, and um, advice on how to do a half an hour consult or a two hour long consult or, or a one hour long consult, you know, how, how those look. And then um, uh um, and then, and then, uh, and then we've uh, put it up for sale. We just finally, in the last week, uh, made it available to um, for for sale online. And so, I think Richard, I gave you all of the information to share it with your with your audience, um, so that they can uh, think about you know becoming a cannabis coach if they want. We're going to definitely make a. a a really lovely little coaching community, probably in connection with the North America, uh, the uh, National Association of Cannabis Businesses, the NACB. I uh, just accepted a position as their medical and research um, uh, coordinator, you know, developing that arm of that company so that we can start, you know, directing more um, cannabis research dollars and helping people, you know, uh, um, get the medical and research information that they need to, you know, to be, uh, uh, to be successful in the cannabis industry. We really need this army of coaches. We need, we, I, I think that the innovation in cannabis now is, is not in delivery because we have great delivery systems. We've got, you know, really wonderful tracking systems in place, but the big innovation is going to be education. It's going to be people finally realizing that these products are safe and effective and, um, and in many cases safer and more effective than the products you're currently using. And you, can, uh, and you can learn about it and then help other people learn about it as a side hustle or as a full-time job and, uh, and, and move people along on the path to restoring their personal health. Well, and one of the things that excited me about this is as I've – I mean, I had an herb store in the 80s, so there's that. <laughs> That's how old I am. I had an yeah. herb store in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> and I see people who, I mean, I've, I've come from the world of when cannabis was, I mean, I grew up in California, so there was always cannabis. There's that. Uh, I have in my life, uh, years ago, smoked my body weight in cannabis, at least my body weight, maybe several <laughs> body weights. So I have consumed mass quantities. That's a long time ago. 
but because of my background, I have a lot of people who ask me about ask me cannabis questions or things or what do you think about this or what do you think about that? And when I go in a typical dispensary, as nice as the people are, the bud tenders are in the stores, I see a lot of people whose eyes, not unlike the lab with the banana coated banana, you know, with peanut butter, their eyes roll up in their head and overwhelm because there are so many delivery choices and so many possibilities. It's just overwhelming okay. as a person. And, and I know there's a, a, I think people are surprised. I've heard you talk about the statistics of people over 60 or 70 who are interested in cannabis now. And it's huge. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It is huge. Mm-hmm. And they need some paw holding. They need a little bit of, you know, explaining various delivery systems or the why or the how. or Because going into a cannabis store, you're going to walk out with a couple hundred dollars worth of products and be just befuddled with, like, now what? Yeah. And, and you also have to remember that the cannabis store is also a business. So when you ask them what you should buy, they're also, you know, t- selling you what is starting to get to date. They may not necessarily be working in your best interest for your medical needs. So, you know, you, you really do need somebody who's in your corner. And, and that's why these coaches are going to be so powerful. We're definitely looking at creating relationships with different dispensaries, too. I mean, it's a $7 billion industry right now, cannabis and CBD. That's a nice little industry. But, but the, the reality is it is probably a $53 billion industry. They think that so much of what is happening in cannabis and CBD is, ha- is happening in a secondary market, you know. Um, I mean, where people are buying and selling and none of it is being taxed. And, and the sooner that we engage this market and really figure out how to, um, you know, how to, how to make money from it, and that's going to be through coaching people and then providing them with products, then you're going you're, you're gonna to be able to get, you know, your piece of that $53 billion. There's plenty of money, you know, uh, waiting to be earned in this. I mean, in a macro concept, but then in your home, in, 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 in homes, people fight about money. Um, it's one of the major fights that people have when they're when they're living together, and the studies show that that argument is generally over about five hundred dollars a month. That if if that couple could make five hundred more dollars a month, they wouldn't have to be fighting anymore. It would solve whatever discrepancy is that they're dealing with. And, you know, when you think about it, if you have a coaching opportunity and you have a CBD line that you can offer people, you've got recurring revenue from that CBD line, uh, you know, that, that problem is solved. You know, you've just you've really created calm and harmony in your home because you've taken that financial pressure away. So as a side hustle, it's a great idea. Or as a main hustle, it's a great idea. Well, and one of the things that I think is awesome, well, this is a a personal side issue, is that I think it would be great for people to understand that maybe you don't want to be buying your CBD at the local 7-Eleven. Or you'll, you know, that there, that you really want to kind of know what you're doing in terms of you're dealing with your own health. You're, you're really empowering people to take care of the, to be part of their own health process, and to have this kind of education. Since I'm a chronic learner, that's my drug of choice is learning. I can't say it's a drug. It's just some, it's how I'm wired. I really like learning. And it's a phenomenal opportunity to learn a great deal of information that if, if only you use the information to help people around you, that's a lot. Because I know a lot of people that are using cannabis haphazardly. Oh, I tried this. It didn't work. Or they, or they try a CBD product and they don't have a result and then they think CBD is bad or bogus. And it's because they didn't know what they were doing or how to, you know, there's just a bunch of great information in this course from the stuff that I've reviewed that gives us the information to help people to understand, oh, well, here's why maybe this didn't work for you. Have you tried this? And mm-hmm. as you say, the idea of having that be something that you can then help others with, because it's, this industry is not going away. It's not going to get smaller. I mean, as I say, I had an herb store in the 80s 
when cannabis was, you had to like meet somebody on it or a dark bridge in a dark, you know, in a room and there were bags involved and one was money and one was, you know, an ounce of pot. So it's come, it's a huge thing and it's not getting smaller and it'd be great for people to know what they're doing before they go into the dispensary to have an idea of where they want to go. I don't have a, yeah, I can't make that into better. a form of a question. I'm sorry. No, it's much better, but I totally agree with you. It's much better to walk into the dispensary and kind of have yourself pointed rather because, uh, because um, even, you know, I, as part of my work, I go into dispensaries whenever I can, whenever, particularly when we go skiing at Christmas, because I, you know, it, it, there's certain places where you can't go in unless you have a card, but whenever I can, I try to go in and collect data. And so when I'm out in Vegas or when I, when, uh, when we went to Aspen last Christmas and when you start talking to the person behind the counter, it becomes clear that, you know, they, they have a personal preference. There's a product that they like and they might really like something that gives them a lot of dissociation and a big head rush, a high THC product because they're a kid and kids like to, you know, get high. So, so, you know, they might be offering something like that to somebody who is 50 or 60, who's really, really just needs to settle down and relax at the end of a very long work day. And we're not really necessarily looking to dissociate and get really high in, in our age group. And, uh, and, and the kiddos just, you know, aren't, aren't thinking about using the products the same way that we are. So oftentimes their recommendations just don't really um, hit. So it is important to and and you know two hundred dollars worth of product is a lot of money, so I I don't want anybody to go into the dispensary without being uh, you know armed with the data about what they might need, you know and not get and not get thrown off too far. I mean my goal with the average consumer is that you can go to my website cbdandcannabisinfo.com and you should be able to spend a half an hour watching videos about how to choose and use and you should be in great shape you know you'll be able to you'll be able to go and kind of pretty much sort of know what product you're going to need um and and i i need to beef those up even further i think so that it so that a lot of that information is very very clear but but then you know for for somebody who's like i i don't really want to self-train i just want to talk with somebody for 30 or 40 minutes get the data delivered to them, have them make a selection for me. That's how I want to run this. Well, then that person should be going to the, um, that person should, should be going to one of our coaches. And it's funny, you know, uh, pre-COVID, we were like, yeah, we're going to put a map of the USA on the site and just, and that way you can click on your area and you'll see the coaches in your area. And now I'm thinking we almost need to create a, uh, like a bio psychosocial you know, map of are you looking for a coach who works with this as an adaptogen or do you need somebody that has a history of helping people with seizures or do you need somebody who just helps people with a lot of anxiety and works in healing anxiety? Um, then, 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 because as we've all realized, you know, with Zoom, you don't need anybody in your neighborhood. You can talk to anybody anywhere in the world, really, for this type of coaching. And, uh, and so I think also for the person who's thinking about doing the coaching, uh, the coaching opportunity with me, which, which I would love to talk to each and every one of those people about what, what they're trying to achieve. But for anybody who's trying to do it, you don't have to think about like, how will this work in my community? Because you can, you know, you can work in an online community and, uh, and, and, or, or align yourself with a business through the NACB or, um, you know, align yourself with a business across the country with somebody you know and provide them coaching services will, um, that will be valuable uh, with, from a long distance while you're, you know, one of these people who's wearing pajama bottoms on the bottom and, and, and business on top. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Have you got a camera on? Can you tell? No, no. Um, well, I love that idea of the it's almost like you're design you in you're designing an intake on your site to guide a person to the to the most uh desirable practitioner to work with in terms of as you say somebody who's dealing with inflammation 
or some other kind of, uh, you know, IBS or some kind of chronic condition is different perhaps than somebody who has a lot of anxiety and having done hundreds of hours of shows, I can, t- I can think of numerous people, well, I can't think of their names, but I can think of numerous people who have become a practitioner in the thing that created their condition. So they become a specialist in that condition because yeah. they, yeah. and they had it. And so that, I think that's, a, that's an awesome idea of having an intake on the site for people to be able to go, well, I want to deal with anxiety. I want to deal with stress. I want to deal with, uh, uh, you know, dial it in for people. Because everybody's going to have a different approach. And at the same mm-hmm. time, I, w- I want to toss out that I think it's phenomenal for the idea of having their own education and having the idea of having coaches available to help them have an idea of what they're looking for before they walk into a dispensary. Because my experience with dispensaries are they lean toward THC because that's what they know. They don't know nearly as much about CBD as they do as they do might know about THC because CBD for some reason is kind of the new kid on the block. Is that am I getting thinking that correctly? Yeah, I think we're really understanding. I mean, I think I think we're really understanding CBD better than we have before. It's always been this focus on THC, but more and more we understand that CBD is also a very powerful product. And my program is also going to focus on CBG and CBN and CBC as more data becomes available or is developed around other cannabinoid formulations, then, you know, we'll make sure that everybody who I'm uh, working with has that data and has access to products so that they can, you know, bring them to all of their patients. We're going to do weekly meetings too. So as more data comes together uh, around all of these different diseases or different cannabinoids, uh, you know, my team of coaches will be kept right up to date just by attending the weekly meetings. We'll go through all of the latest research and also meet some really powerful people in the community. I look forward to being in those meetings (laughs) because, (laughs) yeah, we're talking herbs. I, I know we're not directly talking herbs, but I mean, this is, you know, I've waited 30 years, 40 years, really? 40 years, really? Yeah. Uh, to have herbs be acknowledged in a certain way. And I think this is such a, it's such a powerful, beneficial plant. And along with other allies, as you said, the idea of the ashwagandha and other herbs bringing it in. It's very exciting to me because it's, it's all upside in a certain way. It's all beneficial, long-term beneficial effects. We're all going to be slightly calmer. We need to be a little calmer in these times. I need to have that bowl of chips, sweet potato chips next to the door, so I can just chew on those throughout the day. (laughs) That would be awesome. I will be making those after the show. I really, yeah. They're going to be delicious. Two of my favorite things, chips and CBD. Wow, a little rock salt on there right before. (laughs) Man, it's awesome. Oh, yeah, that would be good. <laughs> um, so we're at the moment where I have to ask you, would you please say the name of where people can get information about the cannabinoid protocol protocol program? And then for the listeners also, where people can contact you and follow you and if they desire, have a one-on-one with you. You know, I don't think we have the cannabinoid protocol um, SEO'd to the point that if you type it, you're going to find it. Um, so, so I would go still to cbdandcannabisinfo.com and okay. either click on the link there or write me a but or write me a note there so that you can uh, so that so, so that I can connect you to the cannabinoid protocol um, and and also so that I can talk to you about what you're trying to achieve and make sure that this program is actually a fit for you before you invest you know six hundred dollars in a uh, uh, in in a in a product when actually you want to be a grower because this program is not for a grower it's for a clinician so the the next best step is to really uh, you know have a conversation with me and determine if it's the right product for you and make sure that I can help you achieve your goals with it and um, and then and then we can uh, you know get busy getting you started. Great. 
Thank you so much. I already have another yeah. show. Now I want to talk to you about all the other derivations we're discovering about the CBGs and the CBNs and all that. That's a whole other uh, show yeah. of conversation. Mm-hmm. So we might have to wait on that. That's a, there's there's not a lot of data yet, but not it's yet? coming. But okay. there's no, not a lot of data now. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. We can always talk. Um, all right. Thank you so yeah. much. That was great. It took took me a little longer to get there than I wanted, but it was there was so much great information in between, because it's such a a vast field. Again, I advocate for the course because having people to have that information before, even if you're only for you to have before you go into a dispensary yourself, or because you have friends around you. I have friends who live in, you know, mobile home parks that are over 55. And I'm just thinking, what a mecca of people to have, want to have that access to that information rather than coming back from the store and going, I tried that and I hated it. Well, why? Yeah. You know, all that is it's a, that. Yeah. Yeah. People need a little more help. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Dr. Mary. That was great. And everybody have oh, a great, great rest of the weekend. And we'll see you next week. Bye bye. <laughs>